Davis takes over. Smith comes out to the neutral zone. Deals right. Marcheseau fires. He scores! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Smith to Marcheseau. 4-2 Golden Knights. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas, Wallace, Millard, Chapman, inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios, Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... That'll be the last time you hear from Chris Chapman today. Uh, I'm just uh, going to throw that Jeez. out there and because I'm, he's bugging me, he's just bugging me what? today. And, we, and I just We're not even a minute into the show. I know. But I've been here for a while, and the idea oh. uh, that that he knew that the result wasn't going to go the Golden Knights way, like he just he jumps all <laughs> oh, over that. Wait, no, wait, no, no, wait. no, 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 no. I said that was the last time we we're going to hear from you today. If you're going to throw outlandish claims out there, then you have to allow me to elaborate hold, and defend myself. Hold on, hold on. This is partly my fault. It's partly my fault, right? Like. Darren, if you want to if you want to throw Chapman under the bus, you got to throw me under the bus too, which isn't going to be a problem for you. You're used to that, but it's partly my fault because I asked Chapman a simple question. Yeah, and At it was a ridiculous answer. You... It wasn't a ridiculous well, answer. I agree with you; it was a ridiculous answer. But I, I mean, I'm the one that posed the question. It's my fault. You asked me at what point did I feel that the Golden Knights were not going to win that game, and I told you in the third period. You could, you, you, it just yeah. had that feel that we've been here before. I didn't feel that at all. Well, I I did, and it, you're and it turns negative. Out my... You are so negative, and oh. you just like you just like to revel when things go no, wrong. No, I, I don't. And be that that because, guy because it angers me. I'm Chris me. Chapman, I'm and I know exactly lost. when they're going to lose. I'm angry that they lost, but but you 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 had that feel. Who you, had that feel? I had the feel, and apparently my feel was right. They they were outplaying them badly. Yeah, but they couldn't put one past Grubauer. We've seen this story before. <laughs> because because that never happens in hockey where the better team loses the game. Yeah. No, no, he's he was being sarcastic. No, I, no, I, 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 but but he's not <laughs> wrong. I mean, we 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 have seen it. We we saw we saw the series in Van, against Vancouver where it they just, were the better. Just team. Just know every word that you say now takes away from your time at the end of the show. That's fine. Okay? That's fine. And right now you're working on about a buck and a half left. That's all I had. I didn't even have that yesterday. Don't don't tell him that now. He's just not going to stop talking. Uh, we are going to you chat with Manny Beaveros. The, uh, the head coach of the Henderson Silver Knights is going to uh, pop on. Uh, a fun first season, an eventful first season. Uh, strange and probably uh, never before experienced first season. Uh, but uh, what's he what's he make of uh, getting to the Pacific Division final and uh, losing in the in the championship game in the best of three, in which uh, they were the only division that uh, that went to a postseason, and some of the players that that he saw for the first time in, in this campaign and where their ceilings are this year. Logan Thompson will be among those and uh, and Ryan Murphy for sure. Murphy on the American Hockey League contract. So we'll get into that with uh, Manny Vivros. Uh, we'll also uh, dissect uh, what occurred in Winnipeg last night and not just the game itself and the score in which the Montreal Canadiens uh, got by the Winnipeg Jets, but the uh, very violent collision between 
Mark Shifley and Jake Evans. We've got some sound uh, to come and a, a subsequent fallout from that when it comes to supplementary discipline. But we start off with the uh, aforementioned discussion about the 3-2 overtime win for the Colorado Avalanche to take a 2-0 series lead over the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, are you worried? I'm asking you that right now. Everybody in the car, everybody listening to the radio, uh, Stephanie, who's at home with uh, Cleo, uh, everybody, are you worried or did you see enough last night to go, yeah, this could be one of those just uh, back and forth uh, series? Let's start with you, Ryan. So I saw a lot to be encouraged by the Golden Knights. I think that they played an absolutely fantastic game. Uh, for the better part of, of two-plus periods. I really thought that they were able to frustrate Nathan McKinnon, Miko Ranton, and Gabe Landeskog for the most part. They limited those transition opportunities. They played the game that you want the Golden Knights to play against the Colorado Avalanche. The pace was great. I loved everything, obviously, about that game outside of the result. But in terms of am I worried, I think that you have to be worried in this situation because for the Golden Knights to win this series, you've got to win four of five against the Colorado Avalanche, and that is a tall, tall task. Four of seven is going to be difficult. Four of five is very, very difficult. But I'm encouraged by how the Golden Knights played. Certainly you don't hit posts. you got to execute. you got to bury your chances, and the margin for error has gone as, as essentially dissipated for the Golden Knights. But I am encouraged by how they played for sure. It was a fun game to watch, wasn't it? Oh, it was fantastic. Like one of the best like the, best the game, I've seen all year. The game was everything that I think people thought and were expecting this series to be, right? Like two teams that know how good they are, two teams that are, are good in different ways, and they just went out and slugged each other in the face for 60-plus minutes. Uh, I, I felt a little ripped off because the game ended so early in overtime. And and I, you always go through that. You you you, you go through the intermission, and you you sink yourself uh, into the uh, mm-hmm. the game, and it's full on commitment. And then it ends so early in overtime, and you just you you've kind of budgeted the next thirty five minutes to watch that overtime period, and for it to end two minutes and seven seconds, I I just I had this empty feeling beyond just the disappointment of the result, but the the fact that it ended so quickly, I was shocked. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm right there with you. Like, obviously, you you kind of go through an entire intermission. You you're on the air. You're kind of uh, uh, anticipating what what you know I I imagine was going to be a rather lengthy overtime. Like, we had had kind of discussions, me and Jeff and Bobby back in the studio. Like, we were we were ready to settle in for at least another period, maybe more. Like, it felt like double overtime to me. It felt like the way that both Philip Grubauer and Marc-Andre Fleury were seeing the puck, that it was going to be a while before we got a goal in that game. And then, you know, all of a sudden you blink, you miss it, and uh, it's it's over. It was, it was strange indeed. But, um, you know, again, in terms of the game, in terms of how exciting it was, and in terms of what I saw from the Golden Knights, you have to be encouraged by Game 2, and you have to feel good about the Golden Knights going into Game 3. What do you think the difference was between Game 1 and 2? 
You know, I, I think that the Golden Knights were able to get in on a four-check. I really do think that they were able to be patient in the neutral zone. And, you know, I, I do think that there were some opportunities that the Colorado Avalanche handed them. There were turnovers uncharacteristic of Colorado as they were trying to transition through the neutral zone that led directly to Riley Smith's goal. And, you know, for me, like, if you can frustrate Colorado – in the in that in the neutral zone, then you take away what they do so well. I thought that the Golden Knights were locked in there. I've got some uh, just numbers for you, and uh, I mentioned that Mike Kelly was on the uh, the Chirp podcast a couple of weeks ago, and how much I learned about uh, different analytics and and how when you outshoot a team in the National Hockey League. Uh, the team that has more shots loses more often than they win, which uh, <laughs> I'm still trying to get my head around uh, that. But uh, but Mike reached out this morning to give me uh, just a, a little indication of uh, how different game two was from the opener of the series. And this is yeah. uh, some numbers on Stevenson and that top line from Vegas and the McKinnon mm-hmm. line from the Colorado Avalanche when they were on the ice at even strength during game two. It was a total yeah. of, uh, of just under nine minutes. The shots, nine, nothing, VGK. Slot yeah. shots, six, nothing, VGK. Rush chances, three, nothing, VGK. But the goals were, were zero, zero. But that's a heavy, heavy uh, slant towards Chandler Stevenson, Mark Stone, and Max Pacioretty dominating the top line of the Colorado Avalanche, which was so great and effective in the opener. A total reversal between Game 1 and Game 2 outside of the most important part in goals. But that gives you just uh, a small little peek inside uh, the effectiveness of of where Vegas was better. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, if you know, if that's kind of a matchup that you're looking for, or hoping to get, you have to be very much encouraged by the fact that Stevenson, Stone, and Pacioretty were were able to outplay McKinnon, Ranton, and Landeskog. Uh, you know, but when you when you talk about having that many looks, that many opportunities for the Golden Knights. Um, you need one of those to go, and and especially in in a series that I think is going to go long. I, I don't think that you are in in any way, shape, or form writing off the Golden Knights here at all. But you have to capitalize on those chances. You have to capitalize on those games in which McKinnon, Ranton, and the Landeskog are kept mostly in check. And for the Golden Knights, they came up just one goal short. So where are you going to tomorrow then? Because I, I do, I do 18,000 people. And by the way, uh, you're going to the game tomorrow. Go early, stay late, uh, uh, arrive in the property. I mean, the parking, uh, the, the roads going in, it's going to be jammed. The first time that we've had 18,000 people in the building in, in over a year. So uh, manage accordingly. Uh, you want to be in the building um, We've, we've been through the – you don't want to miss the openings, right? And and I'm sure uh, that they've got something cooked up for the second round uh, for the opening <laughs> on the Nitron. Uh, so so nighttime uh, begins half an hour before the game. 
uh, go have a couple of pops uh, at the beer house around MGM, and uh, and then when you come out of the rink, the same thing. Enjoy the vibe as the city opens up, and just make sure that uh, that you're not stressed out. Uh, about everything, uh, and you can talk about the game and talk about what we're uh, what we're discussing right now. Uh, I'm uh, I'm really encouraged about the way the way they play, and I was I would probably say that my level of uh, optimism or confidence after Game Two against the Minnesota Wild when it was one-one is very similar to that level of confidence and optimism after Game Two uh, against Colorado, even though. There's a, a two nothing deficit for the first time in franchise history. That's also yeah. wild. Uh, we've never been here before, <laughs> but I, I'm not really that stressed based on how they played yesterday. Yeah, again, I, I think there's a lot to take um, from that game and, and to be encouraged by the Golden Knights played incredibly well, and you know they they. I think the thing for me, too, is that Philip Grubauer was forced to make some saves. Like, he mm-hmm. was forced to play well for the Colorado Avalanche. And, and you want to see that there's a workload for Grubauer that, that's going to be heavy and hard in this series, that the Golden Knights are going to be able to get to those areas and make life difficult on Philip Grubauer. I, I, I'm encouraged by what the Golden Knights were able to do in Game 2. I'm encouraged by the way that they were able to bounce back, and I'm encouraged by the fact that even though they got themselves into some penalty trouble, uh, by and large, they, they did a relatively good job on the penalty kill. Obviously, you give up the the, uh, the the power play goal in overtime. It's not necessarily how you want to end the night. But, you know, against a, a Colorado Avalanche team that is just so good, um, you just you can't get yourself into penalty trouble. So if the Golden Knights can clean that up, if they can you know, get away from, from taking multiple penalties in the game, and they can continue to push the pace the way that they did in the second and third period, especially coming home, where you know if you're Pete DeBoer, you can kind of work towards some different matchups. I thought the fourth line for the Golden Knights was really good in game number two. They they were certainly playing in and around the offensive zone all night. Will Carrier and Patrick Brown and Keegan Colasar holding on to pucks, really making it difficult for Colorado to get any type of, you know, any type of structure in their own zone and then much less get the puck out and and only have energy to go for a change. So I'm encouraged by what I saw from Vegas, and I like them in game number three. I like them coming back home. I wouldn't be surprised if come the end of the weekend this is going back to Denver tied up 2-2. to uh, but, you know, again, it, it's all about the Golden Knights, their execution, and, and whether or not they can finish off their chances. Just saw some numbers pop up on the screen uh, in the studio here where we're uh, broadcasting from the Fox Sports Las Vegas studio. Uh, Vegas right now, uh, odds to win the Stanley Cup, and sixth best out of the eight teams remaining at plus 1,500. And Colorado's plus 125, right in that range. So significant difference at the window, which you would guess with a 2 nothing lead uh, for the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, I'm, I'm really interested to see the, the response. Well, you mentioned the fourth line. Well, Alex Tuck uh, was going last night. Uh, I liked uh, what Sakura brought to the table. Uh, I thought that line uh, was good. A bit of a miscommunication on the first goal uh, or the uh, power play goal by Tyson Jost on coverage, but that's... Uh, that's something on, on special teams, but five on five, I thought the third line was good. The the, the second line uh, was banging posts all night, 
And the the top line, uh, I just went through the numbers head to head with yeah. Nathan McKinnon, and and they controlled it. So that part is, is really good. Hey, do, do you think that if if you were coaching last night for for Vegas, would you have gone out and measured that that right post, which is the left post uh, that that Riley Smith and the the group were shooting on at that one end? Because it was like it was the same post every time. Well, I, I wouldn't because there were posts in the second and the third period. So, um, you know, it wasn't the same net. But It's right there. Uh, you, wouldn't, okay. you wouldn't have gone out and measured it? I would have, for sure. There you, was something up. So, that was a, so the, you, don't think it, you don't think it was a regulation? I'm just. <laughs> what are you talking about? I, I don't think I've seen that same post reject so many pucks. I would have gone out and just put a tape. While they were doing the squeegee thing. You know, mm-hmm. and that was another yep. thing, like, like t- trying to <laughs> trying to freeze us out, trying to freeze out Mark Andre Fleury. What a tactic on, that was! Uh, I'm it just, was just hard. It was just a, it was just a throwback to Lake Tahoe. You don't. What are you talking about? I tell you, you don't see that from our Zam crew over at T-Mobile Arena or City National. Jeez, just, you are throwing just, shots. We, You're sour. We, we are. I know. I'm just having some fun. Uh, but uh, you know, you know, what my <laughs> biggest concern about the uh, the the water though. It wasn't around Marc Andre Fleury's crease. He can he can scrape that up a little bit and 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 clean it up. Uh, it was around the net where uh, pucks, when it hits the water, just stop dead. And yeah. I was worried that if they don't get the, all of that uh, water lying around cleared away, uh, Nick Hag tries to make a D to D pass. And it just stops uh, at the bottom right. of the circle in, in front of Mark Andre Fleury. That's that was the biggest thing uh, that I that was swirling around in my head as I watched them. But I, I saw them hand the squeegee. The, the referee came over <laughs> and said, uh, like he's pointing, like he's he's making the squeegee motion. Which, yeah. strangely, I understand what the squeegee motion is. Uh, and 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 then he points. The, they go to give him a squeegee. And he's like, I'm not squeegeeing. I'm a National <laughs> Hockey League referee. There's no way I'm using the squeegee. So he yeah. points to the other end, and the ice crew, which you could tell has not a lot of squeegeeing, are like, okay, now what do we do with this? What do we do? It was it was kind of a, a comical little uh, fun moment uh, through the course of uh, the game, and then then we went into the uh, to the penalty. Uh, any issue with the penalty? I know Vegas not happy. Uh, Pete DeBoer not happy. Uh, some uh, uh, insinuations of, uh, well, not in some insinuations. There was an insinuation of embellishment. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have a big issue with the, with the call that was made? Um, I mean, I, I don't really. Like, I, I understand the frustration from a fan's perspective, especially kind of in, in context of what was allowed in the first round against Minnesota versus kind of what's been called here uh, in this Colorado series, I, I do think that there were a couple of, of plays that could have resulted in power play opportunities for Colorado in, in regulation. There was Patrick Brown catching Gabe Landeskog off of a faceoff. Probably should have been a, a four-minute double minor. That wasn't called. That was missed. So, you know, sometimes you're going to get the break. Sometimes you're not. The Golden Knights didn't get it. But I thought what Mark Stone said after the game just – you know, it, it's it's an unfortunate situation. It's one of those things that, you know, happens 30 times a game, but it's on the Golden Knights to kill the penalty. And before it even gets to a, a power play in overtime, 
it's on the Golden Knights to bury some of those some of those chances, some of those looks. You had Riley Smith hitting three posts. Uh, you know, I think the Golden Knights in total hit five posts. Like you get one of those bounces to go your way. I don't think we're even talking about a penalty in overtime because I don't think it, the game gets there. Uh, I just came up with a new rule. If the same What's player that? hits the same post three times or more in a game, it should be an automatic goal. Okay. Can we put that one no, in place? That's, that's not. Nope. That's it's a pretty good idea, goal. though, isn't it? No, it's a bad idea. Huh. Okay. Just, like then, then you're just gonna have guys like trying to stuff pucks into a post. I don't like. I don't. It, no. It's awesome. You gotta actually hit the back of the net. Uh, Pete. Pete made a good point, and and you mentioned Mark Stone as well. That you gotta you gotta find a way to get some of those chances into the back of the net. Uh, I am not uh, a big proponent of an automatic penalty for knocking the stick out of somebody's hand. If you break the stick, yes, because that player is now without uh, a twig and they have to either leave the, the area of play to get another one from the bench or they have to play without one. And it puts you at a significant disadvantage. But Rantanen could have just grabbed a stick. And uh, I, I think there has to be more leeway there uh, because that didn't seem to be uh, a, a violent hack. Now, Riley Smith did make a stick-on-stick stick play. And when you yeah. do that, you you surrender you, the, your own fate. Uh uh, you put it in somebody else's hands, and and that's the the official. So um, I I don't think it was uh, a penalty. I understand why it was called a penalty. Uh, I thought uh, that the the game was officiated much differently than we've uh, witnessed out of the first uh, eight games of the Golden Knights uh, postseason, and and the first seven in in the series against Minnesota were. Yeah astronomically magnificently consistent and that's a, a big stick tap and uh, hats off to the, to the referees it, it may have been looser than you liked but it was as consistent as i've seen from the start of a series to the end now different series different set of uh, speed different uh, your cha- trading chances but i i can see why uh why vegas was a little bit upset there, w- there was a play though ryan with about five minutes to go in the third where Vegas got away with a hold, um, and and I looked over and went that they they dodged one there because that could, it could have yeah. been called a penalty. So things maybe things even out uh, in the end. But uh, I I was with uh, with Pete like on on the softer side of a of a call for especially for an overtime uh, game. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I think that you know when when you've got that kind of messaging from Pete DeBoer and I think it was it was a great press conference by him last night where you know he's he's taking the the onus off of the refs and and throws out the the word embellishment like I it's posturing it's it's trying to send a message it's trying to make sure that you know if an avalanche player goes down a little bit too easy in in the next game that that's something that you know is is kind of in the back of everybody's mind so I I think that you know, in that situation, the way that Pete handled it last night was was great. But for the Golden Knights, you can't really dwell on it too much. You just have to accept that this is kind of what the standard should be consistently night in and night out and then play within those standards. You're working the officials a little bit. Coaches do that it's throughout great. a series. Uh, and we well, witnessed it uh, over the years. 
and you're looking for a little bit of an edge. We'll see. Maybe it works in, in the Golden Knights' favor that they uh, get uh, through a couple of plays that normally would be called penalties, but the official goes, yeah, and then the embellishment. Maybe was that embellishment? Uh, I won't call that. No, I, I don't think consciously officials go, oh, we probably missed something there. No, they're judged by uh, their own bosses. And, and they don't uh, listen to the coaches. But subconsciously, does some of that seep through? That's why coaches do that, is to see whether or not they can get one or two calls uh, the rest of the series. And maybe game four or game three, uh, it'll turn out uh, that way. It's a big game tomorrow night. I can't wait to see what the atmosphere is like tomorrow night because uh, if, if they come out with the same type of execution and uh, domination that they did in games in periods two and three, it's going to light that place on fire. Yeah, I, I mean, my only hope right now for the rest of this series, however many games we end up getting, however far it goes, however deep it goes, is that every game from here on out looks a lot like game two, right? Like, I think that's exactly what people were expecting and hoping for when it was Colorado and Vegas, the two best regular season teams in this league this year. And I, I think if we get if we get five more games of what we saw in game two, this is going to be one of those series that people talk about for a long, long time. But well, it sure looks like the top two teams in the league, doesn't it? With the speed and oh, trading yeah. chances. 100%. Uh, I thought uh, yeah. Dan Duva and, and Gary Lawless had a great call. Listen to them uh, for a little bit. Uh, Kenny Albert, Eddie Olchek, Brian Boucher uh, were phenomenal. Like It was just one of those games where a great announcers uh, can, can just ride w- with a great game. And it was exhilarating uh, at, at, at times in the way they went back and forth and the goaltenders coming up with big saves. Uh, big performance by the Henderson Silver Knights, the inaugural season in most uh, challenging of times. They made it to the final of the Pacific Division and losing by a goal, well, two goals with the empty netter, but uh, uh, in the game three in the best of three to Bakersfield Condors. We'll chat with the Henderson Silver Knights head coach, Manny Viveros, as we continue on this uh, big edition of the VGK Insider Show between games two and three on Fox Sports Las Vegas. VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Darren Millard, Ryan Wallace uh, with you. Pleased to bring in the head coach of the Henderson Silver Knights, Manny Viveros, just completed his uh, inaugural season, the team's inaugural season in the midst of a pandemic, shortened season, uh, no real uh, extended Calder Cup playoffs, but you did get the Pacific Division uh, format. Uh, so g- give me an idea as, as you sit back, and great to be with you, Manny, uh, as you sit back and reflect on this, like, what's your what's your takeaway in in this experience? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, you know, it was it certainly was interesting. We certainly didn't know what to go into uh, expect uh, to go into this season here. Um, you know, first of all, our coaching staff were were all uh, new to the American Hockey League, and uh, with a new franchise, uh, new city, uh, new organization, working with and. Uh, Especially during the pandemic, we really didn't know what to expect, uh, other than the fact that, you know, that we were going to play a, a shortened season this year. And uh, it didn't take us long uh, to realize that once we got working with these, these this group of kids here in Henderson, uh, you know, just how good some of these kids were and and how good our team really was. And 
we were very, very pleased of how they performed uh, throughout the season. Certainly, we're we're not happy that we end up losing uh, uh, in Game Three to Bakersfield, uh, but uh, throughout the whole season, we just uh, we're really happy and proud of the way our kids worked all year. It was there an exhale at the end, like you you got through it and and you were able to complete whatever playoffs uh, that there was there. They there wasn't a, a major significant disruption. No, certainly. I think as far as uh, I, I look at our staff, uh, uh, with uh, our training staff and our doctors and, and our players, uh, you know, we didn't have any cases of uh, positive cases of COVID. And, you know, obviously there's a little bit of luck involved also too, but it just shows how dedicated our kids and our staff were to make everybody safe and be in a safe environment through the whole year. So we were, we were very fortunate. There's no question about it too, but a lot of it had to do with the way that the, the players took care of themselves off the ice also. Unbelievable. And yeah, uh, kudos to everybody involved in that uh, to to get through it without the significant disruption. Manny Vivros chatting with us on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. You know, Manny, this is obviously a very successful season for you and the Henderson Silver Knights. And, and I guess the question for me is, like, what kind of a, of, of a established base does this give you to, to jump off for next season? Like, how much does this really lay the groundwork for what you want to build here in Henderson? Well, I, I think, Ryan, if you look at, uh, you know, what our, our sole job is to do is provide players uh, when in need with the Vegas Golden Knights. And if right now you look at the lineup now with uh, – with Patrick Brown and Dylan Secure and Logan Thompson, when needed, that these players come in and step in and play. And uh, this will certainly watch the game last night and watch Patrick uh, for a while now with the, the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, these guys are stepping in and not just to eat up ice time, but they're contributing. They're, they're playing really well. So I think uh, throughout the season, when you saw our players go up, they came up and uh, done a really good job here. So that, that's the first and foremost that what we're supposed to be doing. And, you know, having guys like Patrick Brown and Dylan Secure. Uh, these types of players are, are really good uh, young veteran players in the American Hockey League, but certainly set an example for some of our really first first and second year players. Manny Viveros chatting with us uh, on the completion of the Henderson Silver Knights uh, inaugural season, falling to the Bakersfield Condors in the uh, third game of the best of three Pacific Division final. And I, I was at the game and I was sitting there looking around at T-Mobile Arena and more than 7,500 people at the rink. And I remembered the first game that you coached in that rink uh, as, a, as a head coach was with, the, uh, with Kelly McCrimmon, where you guys ran the bench during the NHL game. And I thought, you, co- you coached in front of more fans in the American Hockey League at T-Mobile than you did in the NHL because there, there was an empty building that night. <laughs> no, certainly. Again, you know, that seems such a long time ago, but it certainly wasn't that far off. And uh, like we were at the game uh, the night before against Minnesota, and they had over 12,000 fans. And we, we were talking to the coach staff how loud that was. And then uh, uh, on the bench, the next game when we played Bakersfield, and we only had 7,500 here. But being on the ice service, it, it was it was loud. It was hard for us to a lot of times communicate with our players because how how uh, you know the excitement from the crowd and. Uh, the energy in the building here. So, you know, that building is, is second to none. It uh, doesn't matter what league it is, American Hockey League or the, or the NHL. It's one of the most exciting and loudest buildings in the NHL for sure. It's not the loudest. Talk about developing. Uh, Logan Thompson, uh, you, you put him on fast forward. Uh, I don't know what you and Freddie Brathwaite uh, did to him, but uh, what a performance, a goaltender of the year. Uh, tell me about your expectations coming into this season and where Logan in, is in his uh, progression. 
Well, I tell you what, Darren, that, that, that's all Freddie. Um, you know, I'm smart enough. I've been around the game long enough that to, to, that's not my expertise. So I'll let our, our, the guys who are qualified know what to do and take care of the goaltenders. And uh, he's done a wonderful job uh, with, with, uh, with LT this year. And, you know, again, not knowing LT, a rookie this year coming in the league, uh, you're not sure exactly how you know the progression is going to go. You want them to develop certainly, uh, you know, step by step. Though, but uh, once he got here, he started. He was uh, exceptional from the get go, and uh, uh, there was never ever a let up in his game at all. And if, in fact, if he did have a let up, um, you really didn't no- notice it that much. And uh, uh, he was always a factor in almost every game he played. Manny Vivros chatting with us on the VGK Insider Show with Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace on Fox Sports Las Vegas. You know, Manny. I- Obviously, Ryan Murphy had a great season. He won the Eddie Shore Award. And, like, just I kind of wonder, like, when you see a guy like Ryan Murphy, who is is a veteran in, in the AHL, he's, he's a bit of an older player in terms of AHL, uh, but you see him have a year like this, what do you think comes next for Ryan Murphy? Well, I think you know. Again, progression. Like Ryan's young enough, to, uh, still to, still young enough to play in the National Hockey League. And, and what I like really resonates with me. What Ryan told me this year is that um, he almost had to get away from North American hockey just to find his game again. And when he went to the KHL, um, he really not reinvented, but refound what makes him uh, a special player. And so when he came here this year with us, uh, we really saw the offensive side of him in the American Hockey League, what he can do, whether it's power player, move the puck, or jump into the play as an offensive defenseman. And uh, that was real positive. But I think more than anything is when Patrick Brown uh, was called up with the VGK, um, Ryan took over that leadership role in our room. And uh, he's very well-respected and very well-liked and a really likable person, especially off, away from the rink. He's a great kid. And uh, that's something I think is, is sometimes it takes players a little bit longer to develop, whether it could be a 21 or 22 or, in his case, a 27. So, uh, But, uh, you know, I certainly think he has certainly had an opportunity sometime again to play in the National Hockey League. Give us a quick comment on, on what you saw out of Cody Glass when he played for you. Really impressed. You know, uh, Cody, uh, you know, it was really good for him to get down with us and, and play uh, some of the minutes that he needed to play, um, especially for him. Like we told Cody when it came down, it says, Cody, we're not looking for you to score. That'll come naturally for you. But what we need you to do is to really dig in in the 200-foot game. And we put him out in all key situations. Uh, he was first pairing uh, penalty kill. We put him in those situations that he was used to playing in junior hockey. And obviously in the National Hockey League, uh, you know, he, he was a, he's not – in those situations because the team is so good, but he needs to kind of just get back and feel some of those situations and, and be experience them again. And I was very, very happy. And more importantly, his, his attitude is incredible. He never complained once being down. He worked hard in practice and in game. He was a real leader in the room and on the ice. Hey, before we let you go, yeah, just a comment on your coaching staff. Joel Ward uh, cut his teeth as, a, as an assistant coach. Uh, you know Jamie Heward. You guys have worked together before, Freddie Brathwaite. Uh, you guys have a really cool group. Good, good people. You know, right, right from our, our our video coach Andrew Doty, with obviously with Freddie and and Joel and and uh, and Jamie. I think the most important part about having a good staff is that you can be who you are. 
and uh, you can say say your opinion. And at the end of the day, uh, you know everything that we, we're doing is trying to make these kids better. And uh, I think it's a really good uh, combination. In, in some certain, everybody brings a different skill set to that group. And, and more importantly, uh, you know we're really good friends, and we care about uh, you know trying to get these kids to the National Hockey League uh, as, as soon as possible. But a good staff. You know what, Darren and Ryan, it's not work. Uh, we come to the break every day. It's uh, we have a lot of laughs also too. But uh, at the end of the day, we end up going home and we just finish work, and it was just a lot of fun. Dodie's uh, Dodie's great. Every time I see him over there, he's eating. I'm like, how do you stay so skinny? He's, he's I, I don't know how he does it. I, I want his metabolism. But uh, uh, congratulations on a great year. Really appreciate you joining us uh, both uh, at the start of the season, and you've been incredibly gracious with your time uh, throughout the campaign. Congratulations, and uh, you'll still be around uh, the group as uh, they work their way through the Stanley Cup playoffs. But uh, uh, really uh, cool, cool work by you and your staff. Thanks, guys. Be good. Manny Vivros, uh, the head coach of the Henderson Silver Knights, uh, coming off their inaugural season. When we continue, our number two will feature a dive into what happened in the North Division game last night, including a big hit, as well as some uh, some news and notes from the National Hockey League in one-timers. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas.